Blog Talk Radio. Radio Show is a project of the Appleseed Program, which is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. And I get this question quite often, why the Revolutionary War Veterans Association? <clears throat> you know, there's no, uh, not that we know of, no uh, living Revolutionary War veterans. So why uh, would you have an association of Revolutionary War veterans? It's because... You're right. There's no uh, living Revolutionary War veterans. Once again, I'll qualify that by saying that we know of. Uh, I think we can be pretty safe, though, in saying that there are no living Revolutionary War veterans. So why have an organization uh, dedicated to that? Because just because there are no living uh, members left doesn't mean that there shouldn't be an organization that's dedicated to honoring the men and women uh, of the American Revolutionary War. Now, there are other organizations uh, that do their part. You've got the Sons of the American Revolution and the Daughters of the American Revolution, and we do our part. And we're dedicated, the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program available in the United States today. And at the same time, we realize that we have a responsibility to those men and women who fought in the American Revolutionary War. We have a debt 
that we owe them. And quite obviously, it's a debt that can never be repaid because who would we pay it to? How would we pay it? They're, they're long dead. There's no way that we can that we can repay this. But what we can do is we can honor them. We can honor the sacrifices they made. We can honor the decisions that they made. And the way we do that is by remembering them. And that's one of the things that we do in the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is we remember those men and women who at time, who some uh, sacrificed all that they had. It was certainly a uh, a very, very difficult time in America's history, uh, very uh, difficult decisions to be made, and uh, and we discussed last last week some of the uh, the impact that deciding uh, to put your name on a document such as the uh, Declaration of Independence could get you. So we want to remember these folks, and that's how we're going to honor them. We're going to remember them. We're going to tell the stories about them. That's the way that you honor someone. You tell their story. You tell the story of what they did, and and you can tell also what it means to you, uh, why it's important to you as an American, and that's what we do. We start off with telling the story of April 19, 1776, about what led up to and then what happened at Lexington Green in the town of Lexington at the North Bridge in Concord and then along Battle Road back to Boston. We tell these stories at the uh, two-day Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship events that we instruct at because we want to make sure that we're honoring those men and women. Without uh, them, we would have had no no country. We would have had no uh, America. We would have had no United States. Uh, we would be. Uh, uh, we would probably be still uh, sipping tea and uh, and sitting underneath the Union Jack. But we're not. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of folks decided that uh, that the individual and collective freedoms and liberties that uh, all men had were very important to them, and uh, they made a decision to do something about it. So we discuss uh, those decisions. We discuss those events at the Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship events, the two-day clinics that we host all across the nation on a, on well, now it's every single weekend in America. Every single weekend in America, somewhere in some a city, we're hosting an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event somewhere. If you take a look at uh, at the schedule of events, there's going to be an event within a reasonable distance to you somewhere in the United States every weekend of the year. And uh, how would you figure out how to get to one of these? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you how you do that. You'll go to rwva.org or appleseedinfo.org. They'll both take you to the homepage. When you get to the homepage, you'll see uh, a list of tabs across the top of the page, right underneath the April 19, 1775 banner that's on the homepage. 
<clears throat> the second one over to the right says Appleseed. You put your cursor on there, you'll get a drop-down menu. The second listing from the top on that menu is Schedule. You click on that, and that will take you to the page that I'm getting to, getting ready to read from now. <clears throat> that is the uh, the listing of events, and we've got quite a few uh, listed here. But that doesn't mean we can't add some more. But I'll read you those right now. But first, uh, let me read you before I... Before I get too involved in that, I want to make sure that I read uh, Hawk Haven's list of sold-out events. When I get to the uh, November 13th and 14th weekend on this list I'm about to read, when you hear me read New Smyrna Beach, Florida, Quail Creek, Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, or Eagle Creek, Oregon, those events are going to be sold out. When you hear me get to the November 27th, 28th weekend in Terrell, Texas, that event's going to be sold out. And the December 11th and 12th weekend in Annapolis, Maryland, that event is going to be sold out. So if you want to make sh- if you want to make sure that you get a place on the line at Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship 2-day uh clinic, <clears throat> you'll need to go to the homepage rwva.org. Go to the tab at the top, put your cursor on Appleseed then click on Schedule from the drop-down menu, and that will bring you to the uh, page that I'm at now. I'm getting ready to read from. When you decide to go to an event, and uh, and you shouldn't just be looking. You should be looking at this with the, with the intent of intending an event, and all you have to do is find the right one. <clears throat> and when you find the one that you'd like to attend, they're going to be listed in uh, order from dates, uh, and then they'll have the city next to the state. So the first one on the list is going to be Piru, California, November 13th and 14th. All right, to the right of that are going to be two hot links in the next column over. One of the hot links says information. If you click on that, that will give you all the information uh, for that specific event on that specific date. And that includes directions on how to get there, contact information uh, for the folks involved, and uh, uh, any special rules, regulations, any special information you need to get will be listed there on that page. That's called the EIP, the Event Information Page. All right, right next to that hot link or right under it is a link that says Register. Now, that's an important link because once you have made your decision to attend an Appleseed, uh, then what we'd like you to do is go ahead and pre-register. Now, that does uh, a couple of things. The first thing is it makes sure that you actually have a space on the line at that event. We have events all across the nation. Every weekend somewhere in the United States, there are multiple events going on. And uh, this takes a lot of uh, a lot of planning, a lot of work to get this done. Make sure that we have uh, enough instructors uh, at the locations, making sure that we have enough equipment, etc. And that helps us make sure that we've got uh, uh, our end of the of the deal worked out. So if we know how many people are coming, then we make sure that we have enough instructors there, uh, enough gear for them, etc. And the only way we're going to know that is by looking at the list of folks who have pre-registered for the events. I mentioned before that we've uh, we've had occasions where an event has sold out or it's gotten close to be, being sold out, and we were able to secure additional line either at that range or 
a couple times it just ran ranges nearby. But the only reason we did that is because we knew in advance that the event was sold out. And we don't know it's going to sell out, and we're not going to try and secure additional lines. The only way we're going to know it's going to be sold out is uh, by you guys pre-registering. So make sure that whenever uh, whenever you find an event that you would like to attend, you take the time to uh, pre-register for that event. Ensure that you have space in the line. Make sure that we know you're coming. And uh, we've got uh, the folks there that uh, to instruct in plenty of supplies. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I'm having trouble again with the chat program. And uh, I've discussed this several times now with Blog Talk. I have no idea why uh, I'm still having trouble with it. I've made sure that I have uh, downloaded all the uh, latest editions of uh, the Flash Player, and uh, I'm still having trouble getting it open. So once again, I'm not going to be able to uh, to see what's going on there in the chat room. But I'm bringing Sam D. on the line. Sam, welcome to the show. Evening, Scout. It's a pleasure to be on again. All right. Are you at your computer? I am. All right. Did you have any trouble getting the chat to open? None at all. I was the very first one on board. <sighs> okay. Well, I started well, 30 minutes ago trying to, to open it up, download, uh, make sure I had all the downloads done, and uh, <clears throat> I am still not, uh, I'm still not getting it to open up for me. So, if you guys, if you if you have anything that uh, you need to get out to me, uh, if you can put it there in the chat, and uh, I'll ask. Sam to please monitor that and, uh, and let me know if anybody has any questions or or anything they want to get out. All right, I'm going to go to the uh, schedule of events and we'll uh, we'll uh, read out the upcoming events for the next 30 days. We'll start out in Piru, California. Uh, that's November 13th and 14th weekend, followed by Sacramento, California, Brighton, Colorado, New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Tocoa, Georgia, Waco, Georgia, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Alton, Illinois, Evansville, Indiana, Eureka, Kansas, Humansville, Missouri, Como, Mississippi, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Carlsbad, New Mexico, Wilmington, Ohio, Eagle Creek, Oregon, Manchester, Tennessee, Dallas, Fort Worth. This is the event that I told you at uh, Quail Creek Range was sold out. <clears throat> College Station, Texas, also on the 13th and 14th, Virginia Beach, Virginia. That will bring us to the first weekend, uh, or to the November 20th, 21st weekend, which starts out in Buckeye, Arizona, followed by Ridgecrest, California, Gunnison, Colorado, Hartford, Connecticut, Mayaca City, Florida, Hernando, Florida, on Saturday, November 20th, is going to be a one-day event. We've mentioned before on the show that uh, we've recently opened up one-day events uh, for apple seeds, and uh, there's a couple of reasons we may do this. One, uh, the range may want, not want to give us a full weekend because uh, that would mean in certain cases that they have to shut down the entire range uh, for that weekend, and a lot of times this causes grief with their clients and uh, so we've opened up the ability to have the a one-day apple seed. And uh, talk about uh, drinking water from a fire hose. This is uh, certainly going to be the case, but it can be done. And uh, if you'd like to attend a one-day event, 
you can do that. You, I've also talked to several people, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, and a lot of times folks uh, folks want to attend an event, but they don't want to uh, to miss their church services on Sunday. Now, you can come to an event uh, anywhere and just go one day. If you're going to go one day, I suggest you do it on Saturday. That's where the the bulk of getting the instruction is done is on Saturday. On Sunday, we're pretty much putting those skills and techniques to use uh, in a diagnostic fashion using the Army Qualification Test, or the AQT as we call it, to uh, diagnose how well the instruction is coming across. <clears throat> now, if the range only wants to give you one day, then talk, then see about uh, setting up a one-day event in your area. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see. I believe I... Uh, okay. Hernando, Florida, All right, on Saturday, November 20th. That's where I left off. All right, continuing with that weekend in St. Augustine, Florida, Bonfield, Illinois, Washburn, Missouri, Ramsar, North Carolina, Lincoln, Nebraska, Pelham, New Hampshire, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Lake George, New York, Granfield, Oklahoma, Manheim, Pennsylvania, Midland, Texas, Davila, Texas. Uh, this is going to be the apple seed that follows the Rifleman's Boot Camp in uh, these are always great events because you've got a usually have a, a large crew of instructors that have just finished up their week of learning how to teach at an apple seed event, and this is their chance. We give them this opportunity then to actually teach at a uh, at a regular open to the public apple seed two day course. This is going to be just such a course. This will be the apple seed following the uh, the uh, November fourteenth through the twenty first. Uh, RBC. <clears throat> so if you're in Texas and you want a chance to uh, to experience a bunch of new instructors uh, bursting with energy to instruct, then uh, this is going to be a great event. We always have uh, uh, good attendance, and we always have a good crew of fresh instructors ready to teach. Also on the November 20th, 21st weekend, Yakima, Washington, Hubertus, Wisconsin, Saturday, November 20th, is a one-day event. Racine, Wisconsin, on the 20th and 21st. Also, Swamico, Wisconsin. Stinson, West Virginia. Kingman, Arizona, starts off the 27th and 28th weekend. Followed by Sunland, California. Glen Helen, California. Now, this is a special event also. This is a ladies-only event. We do these uh, fairly regularly now <clears throat> on the premise that... Uh, that ladies are sometimes more uh, uh, comfortable uh, going to a course that's all ladies. If that's the case with you, uh, we're having one on uh, the November 27th and 28th weekend in Glen Helen, California. Now, <clears throat> if this is something that uh, you would like to see happen in your area, then contact the state coordinator, contact one of the shoot bosses in uh, your area, and ask them if they'll put on an event, an event, a ladies-only event for you. I'm sure they'd be probably quite willing to do so. And if it'll get folks uh, to attend an event, then more power to them. 
Uh, we're always looking for more female instructors. Uh, we have, we certainly have a fantastic group right now. We've got an excellent group of female instructors, and we're always looking to add to it. So if you want to have a female or ladies-only event in your area, contact the state coordinator or one of the local shoot bosses, and you can get the ball rolling that way. Also on the 27th and 28th is Riley, Indiana, Hinkley, Minnesota, Terrell, Texas, which is the sold-out event. Harvard, Massachusetts on Saturday, November 28th is one of the one-day events. That takes us to the first weekend in December. That's the 4th and 5th. That starts off in Saugus, California, followed by Lemoore, California, Coors Gold, California, Colesbrook, Connecticut, Pensacola, Florida, Eureka, Kansas, Saturday, December 4th is a one-day event. Cynthiana, Kentucky, December 4th and 5th, followed by Columbia, Maine, Humansville, Missouri, Biloxi, Mississippi, Roswell, New Mexico, Miamisburg, Ohio, Smithville, Texas. This will be a first event we're having at Smithville, so we hope uh, uh, all the Texas folks uh, near Smithville or any far and wide will uh, come together on Smithville December 4th and 5th to help us celebrate the opening of a new location. Fredericksburg, Texas, December 4th and 5th. Athens, Texas will also be a uh, uh, first-time event for Athens, Texas, December 4th and 5th. Mechanicsville, uh, Virginia. La Crosse, Wisconsin. New Martinsville, West Virginia. That will take us to the first weekend in December which is the 11th and 12th. That's going to start out in Buckeye, Arizona, followed by Piru, California, San Luis Obispo, California, Corona, California, Eureka, California, St. Augustine, Florida, Waco, Georgia, Lewiston, Idaho, Rochester, Indiana, Ashland, Kentucky, Sherburn, Louisiana, Harvard, Massachusetts, Annapolis, Maryland, December 11th and 12th, is a sold-out event. <clears throat> Hinkley, Minnesota, December 11th and 12th. Como, Mississippi. Billings, Montana. Las Cruces, New Mexico, December 11th and 12th is a ladies-only event. So if you're in New Mexico and you'd like to attend an event with a uh, bunch of other uh, New Mexico ladies, then Las Cruces, New Mexico, on December 11th and 12th is your best bet. That same weekend, Calverton, New York, Afton, Oklahoma, Eagle Creek, Oregon, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, College Station, Texas, San Angelo, Texas, Yakima, Washington, Stinson, West Virginia, Sierra Vista, Arizona starts off the December 18th and 19th weekend. That's followed by Azusa, California, Sacramento, California, Mariposa, California, Mayaca City, Florida, Ramsar, North Carolina, Boulder City, Nevada, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, Davila, Texas, and Hubertus, Wisconsin, which is on the Saturday, uh, December 18th, which is a one-day event. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> that'll take us uh, a full month ahead. Now, there is still time. Uh, to add events. You can, there's still time to get events on the books for the end of uh, November 
and for December. There's no reason we can't uh, finish flushing out December. Take a look at your uh, your locations. Take a look at your schedule. Let's uh, let's add on an additional event. One per state would be great. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, here in Texas. We're going to look at the uh, the schedule, and we'll put uh, we'll put additional events on for uh, November and December, and uh, we'll take a look at we'll take a look at the the last weekend in December, and uh, we'll see who's brave enough to schedule a uh, an event on the last week in December. I don't see one here, but uh, I imagine there's somebody somewhere that uh, is willing to put uh, to put an event uh, on the schedule for the last week in December. Somebody who doesn't care about their marriage. And he's ready to uh, to put that event on the schedule. <clears throat> All right, uh, we're coming up on uh, the two year anniversary for uh, the Appleseed uh, Radio for the Rifleman Radio Show. Coming up on two years now, uh, way over a hundred of events. I think we're already. I think we already hit our 100 show. Uh, I'll have to uh, look through the, the records and get uh, get the the stats for that. But I'd like to thank everybody involved, uh, all the folks who have been listening, all the folks who have been helping uh, in many different ways uh, to make this show uh, a success. And... It has been a success as far as uh, Block Talk Radio goes. We've been uh, in the top ten uh, almost the whole run uh, of the show's existence. Now, uh, we are sca- we're in the class of uh, conservative politics, and that's mainly because there wasn't a, a whole lot of things to choose from. Uh, and uh, the Appleseed Project uh, has no politics. We don't have any politics or ideology, anything like that. So I know it seems strange that uh, we're listed in conservative politics in Appleseed, but uh, that was the closest thing we had to a niche for the show. Uh, we're certainly not uh, paranormal or love advice or, or anything like that. So that was the closest thing I could get to uh, for a niche for the show, <clears throat> and uh, out of all the shows on Blog Talk uh, and all the political conservative shows, and uh, at times there's up to 800 of them running co- constantly. We're we've consistently stayed in the top ten. Uh, we've also been uh, number one uh, in our category. Uh, I can't tell you how many times, uh, over and over and over again. Uh, we've actually had a couple of shows that have been number one out of all the shows on Blog Talk Radio. We're talking about many thousands uh, of shows, and we've been number one uh, in all categories, uh, I believe, on uh, on three occasions now, uh, and that's quite uh, uh, quite a uh, 
quite a deal because we're talking about uh, hundreds of thousands of folks, and uh, and for this show to be the the number one show out of uh, all of those is uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal. And you are the folks that make it happen by uh, tuning in every Tuesday night, uh, 7 p.m. Central, to listen to uh, the stuff that we have to to say here. And and believe me, <clears throat> the show's not about me. It's about the Appleseed Project. It's been uh, at times painful for me because uh, the show wasn't really intended to be uh, much of a talk show. It was meant to be more of a uh, an educational thing. And uh, it's certainly been a learning process for me. Uh, and uh, I hope that I'm getting better at it. Uh, I'm certainly trying to. I know I've devoted uh, uh, quite a bit of time to it. We're talking about uh, uh, it'll be a hundred, uh, well, well over a hundred episodes, with usually a minimum of four hours uh, time required for each episode. We're talking about 400 hours of time I've devoted to this. In many cases, uh, a good bit more than that. If I'm trying to work out some problems with it, or doing research for the show, or sending out uh, emails, etc., then uh, there's uh, been quite a bit of time involved in this, and and I hope that uh, it's been worth it for all the folks who have been listening, and I hope that it's been worth it as far as getting the message out. What we're trying to do, what the goal of the of the program is. Uh, ways that we can improve the program uh, and getting information out to all the folks involved. So I hope that it is it's meeting its goals and its missions. And if there's any way that you feel the show can be improved, then it's your duty to make sure that that information gets to me. And you can do that by sending me a message, either through the blog talk system or through the forum. Uh, you can send a PM to Scout. If you have any suggestions, and uh, also I'll take this time to uh, to put out my plea again for help. Uh, we could really use some help with the radio show. Uh, Sam and I have been doing this uh, well for almost two years now, and uh, we could certainly use some help. Uh, we need some help uh, with the technical aspects of it. We need some help with uh, with uh, Getting some, uh, you know, some more uh, music made, and uh, also some of help from some IT folks on uh, the actual show page because we'd like to, uh, we'd like to start offering uh, videos from Appleseed and other related uh, Appleseed related videos on the web page. We'd also like to do some other. We'd like to spiff it up some, but uh, we'd need some IT help from that. We could certainly use some help uh, with. Uh, uh, ideas for guests, folks that you would like to hear on the radio show, uh, information that you would like put out on the show. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for stuff that you would like to hear or you'd like to see on the show, then uh, then send me uh, a message and let me know, or send Sam D a message and let him know what you would like to hear on the show, uh, what guests you would like uh, to appear on the show. And then if you have somebody that you would like to uh, to get on the show, uh, I, I certainly have no qualms with you contacting them and 
and asking if asking them to appear on the show and then uh, sending me the information. Or if you'd like for me to do it, I'll be glad to do it. Just uh, send me your ideas. <clears throat> we also need help uh, across the board uh, with all types of job positions uh, with the Appleseed Project. It doesn't really matter what job that uh, you're currently doing in your uh, in your regular life. Uh, it can probably transfer directly over uh, to a, uh, a working job with us uh, at the Appleseed Project. So we invite each and every one of you. Don't think that uh, because you can't uh, or don't have the time to become an instructor and uh, devote uh, uh, the the great number of weekends it requires for that uh, to be an instructor that you can't help because we can always use the help uh, in basically uh, anything that you do. So if you would like to become involved with the program, we can use your help. Uh, we need, uh, you name it, we need uh, accountants and uh and IT folks, and lawyers, and uh, uh, you name it, we can use it. We can certainly use folks who can do uh, video and uh, uh, who can do uh, music producers, etc. stuff like that. Uh, I got an email from a guy who uh, uh, who has a specific talent of, uh, of creating uh, cartoons and... Uh, uh, I got a message from him through the radio station here, and I've sent him back a couple of messages now saying that uh, uh, I welcome the help from him. I think uh, having uh, some apple seed animation uh, would be an absolutely fantastic way to help promote the program. So anything that uh, anything that you can do in your regular life, then we would love to have you uh, on the team at the uh, Appleseed Project uh, as one of the working members of the staff. If you want to get involved that way, you can send me a message. You can send uh, any of the rest of the folks uh, on the forum a message, uh, Techris, Hawkhaven, Moggett, any of these folks, send them a message saying that you'd like to get more involved, and I guarantee you they will put you to work. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Back onto the lines of the radio show. If you uh, are listening to the show, or if you uh, have been listening to the show, we certainly would like to invite you uh, to list yourself as a friend of the uh, the Rifleman Radio Show. You do that by uh, going to the Rifleman Radio Show homepage and, and clicking on uh, Add to Friends. And uh, that will add you to our list of friends. And then you can also mark the show as a favorite. Now, you have to have a uh, an account to do this. But registering for an account uh, only takes uh, two or three minutes. And they don't ask for a lot of information. And that way you can uh, list the show as a favorite. And you can add yourself as a friend to the show. That helps us with, uh, with promotions uh, by the by Blog Talk, and uh, it will help us uh, to get new listeners. Uh, you adding us as a favor to the show or adding as a friend <coughs> actually helps with uh, getting listeners for the show, and uh, we would like to get as many uh, first-time listeners you know, as possible, get them, to, get them introduced 
to the show. All right, uh, Sam, you still there? Yep, got the machinery off, and I'm here. All right, great. Well, you got anything to add? Once a, first of all, let me tell you thanks, Sam, because like I said, Sam's been Sam's been with the show for quite a while. He's a great help to me. I depend on Sam quite a bit, and not just on the show. I depend on Sam as a, as a good friend of mine and as a hard-working Appleseed instructor. Sam has been with the program uh, for a long time. He's made a lot of great inroads by getting us a lot of uh, a lot of new people into the program. He's drugged a lot of people in, kicking and screaming. He's uh, he's got us on a lot of radio shows. He's done a lot of radio shows uh, and promotions, and uh, he uh, he spent a whole year uh, doing events, uh, dashing across the border from New Mexico to Texas, and doing events out in El Paso for us while we when we were short of instructors in El Paso. And uh, I don't want to miss an opportunity to say thank you, Sam, for uh, all the hard work you've put into the program. I really respect you, and I'm really happy to have you as a friend, Sam. Well, I thank you for that, Scout. Uh, you know, teaching's always a good thing, and, and, and you try and do it whenever you can, and uh, other folks helped us out, so I was here and working. So I'm still waiting to hear we may invade another chunk of Texas without telling you here. <laughs> well, you're always welcome here because it always produces great results. Now, if you guys like to call in, well, we'll be glad to take your calls. We're going to be talking tonight about uh, about the history uh, because that's uh, it's a big part of what we do at the Appleseed Project. We're going to be talking about some of the things that we normally talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, promotions and, and other things, but... Uh, I'd like to talk some about uh, the the history of the American Revolutionary War. That being said, you are welcome to call in while we're discussing this and add your two cents. The call-in number for you folks is going to be 347-308-8790. Sam, if you could put that into the chat room, I'd appreciate it. <clears throat> Once again, the call-in number is 347 347- Three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now we had a caller a few minutes ago, five eight zero caller, and uh, I don't know if you got dropped by our system uh, or if you just uh, got tired of waiting and hung up. But if you want to call back in, uh, we'll start taking calls uh, as you guys call in. I got a, an email from uh, Tecris, uh from Joshua this last week. And uh, probably I think it got one previously that like a week before. And uh, uh, right now I'm in the middle. Of, I'm still dead in the middle of baling hay. I'd be out there right now with the lights on, baling hay. If it weren't for the radio show, it's the one of the one things that I that I actually turn everything off for and uh, and make sure that I'm here every Tuesday night. <clears throat> but uh, I got an email from Tecris last week and he was talking about uh about the uh, the fact let me get to the email so I can uh I can explain better what he was saying that uh and I 
I know that I talk about this uh, every once in a while, but uh, uh, he's saying that uh, he's intrigued by the story that I return to uh, time and again on the radio show. Uh, he's talking about uh, when I talk about the events at the end of 1776. <clears throat> uh, and he says uh, he finds it interesting because it's obviously the point in the creation of the nation that was pivotal, perhaps even the pivotal moment in our great victory. And i got to tell you that I have to agree completely, and that's, that is why I speak about, uh, about those events uh, quite a bit on the the radio show and 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 sometimes I'll speak about them at an Appleseed event. Now at the Appleseed events we talk about specific sections of the history. And what we do is we have uh the history broken up into what we call the three strikes of the match. And this concerns the events that occurred on April 19, 1775, starting off with uh, the events of Lexington Green and then uh, the North Bridge in Concord, and then the events on Battle Road back to Boston. This is strikes one, two, and three. And we talk about it like this because the well, I don't want to I don't want to ruin this story for you. If you haven't been to an Appleseed event, uh, that's part of what we do there. We explain the three strike of the match and how the American Revolutionary War didn't start at Lexington, and that it didn't start at the North Bridge in Concord. Now, don't worry; we do go on to tell you where it did, uh, where it officially started. I'll leave that for uh, for you to attend at a Revolutionary uh, War Veterans Association uh, Appleseed Project two-day rifle marksmanship clinic. Come to the event; you'll find out where the uh, Revolutionary War did start. And then, of course, uh, fairly soon, uh, we're going to have uh, one of our members, Ishi, is going to tell the story. Uh, we're going to hear it from her perspective. Uh, Ishi agreed to do the three strikes, but uh, I believe for this this last month, uh, uh, she's going to school now, and she was up against the wall with her school. But as soon as she gets free, she's going to give us uh, the three strikes, and uh, we're going to get those on the air for you. But there's a lot of other history. There's another eight years after April 19, 1775. There are eight long, bloody years of war. And there were many times uh, during the American Revolutionary War when things weren't going so well for the... Uh, for the Continental troops, for the uh, American militia, for the Colonials, there were many times when things just did not go so well. Now, <clears throat> on April nineteenth, seventeen seventy-five, you had the initial alarm that went out by Paul Revere and uh, and his associates. It got the ball rolling, and then was spread by. Uh, uh, by many, many riders out through the colonies. Uh, 
And uh, that, by the end of the day, had gotten over 20,000 men under arms marching uh, for Concord. 20,000 men. By the end of the day, they ended up back at Boston uh, putting siege to the town of Boston. Many more thousands of men gathered there. At one point, uh, there are believed to have been uh, close to 30,000 men under arms there at the siege of Boston. This was at the very beginning of the... uh, of the conflict, you know, when things first happen and uh, you hear that something's going on, everybody rushes uh, to be involved, to be part of it, to show uh, show their desire uh, to be involved in the, in the outcome of the events. <clears throat> As the days dragged on, the siege of Boston uh, basically just sat there as the days dragged on, the folks started falling away. And uh, this wasn't just because of a lack of patriotic fervor, although their ardor had definitely been dampened uh, as they went into the winter, as uh, disease and illness began to spread, as folks realized that they had left their loved ones at home, they had left their farms untended, they had to get back, the number of troops at Washington's disposal began to dwindle. As it got more difficult, things started to change. They started to lose uh, the number of folks that they had. Disease uh, was rampant. Uh, it's, uh, it's not easy to be a soldier in uh, uh, especially in the uh, in 1775, it definitely was not easy. Uh, the army was just starting out. They, there was no, uh, uh, there were great many systems were not in place. The supplies, etc., and uh, it was very hard. It was very difficult. And as time wore on, it only got more difficult. You had. Uh, uh, after the uh, siege of Boston, <clears throat> you had uh, uh, a great many other uh, events, uh, including uh, uh, Bunker Hill, uh, which was uh, uh, a victory for the uh, militia and the Continentals. After Washington assumed command of the the Continental Army, uh, there were several more events. And and then the year of 1776, there were quite a few battles. And uh, some uh, were okay for uh, some worked out well for the Continentals, and some didn't work out so well. Uh, the uh, Washington's army, uh, the Colonials were uh, were trying to find out. They were trying to figure out how to be soldiers. They were uh, basically almost all of them learning 
their trade right then and there. There wasn't a standing uh, colonial army. There were only militias uh, who would come together uh, for defense of their cities, of their counties, and then they would disband again once uh, once those troubles were over. <clears throat> once the uh, American Revolutionary War began, you still had the same thing. You had a great number of militias that had been called to duty, but many of them only had six months enlistment. Some had one year, but many of them only had six months uh, enlistments. And uh, by the middle of 1776, a great number of those enlistments uh, were coming due. They were coming up. And and things were getting hard. You know, at the end of a year, you've been away from your family. Uh, you've gone through illnesses and battles. And uh, I think that the, the romance uh, of, of being in a revolutionary war situation very quickly wears off. <clears throat> All right, on July 4th, Congress adopts the Declaration of Independence, and it's sent to the printer. Uh, on the 8th, the Declaration is actually read publicly. And uh, starting beginning in uh, in August, the guys, the delegates, actually begin signing it. <clears throat> All right, then you have, uh, uh, in August, we have the Pickens Detachment, which is attacked by the Cherokees. They f- form a ring firing outward, and it's known as the Ring Fight. Uh the uh, Williams and Pickens units end up defeating the Indians, and they end up burning Tamasee, which was the, an Indian town there. On the 27th of August, the Redcoats defeat Washington's army in the Battle of Long Island. All right, Washington's army ends up escaping at night, and uh, we know that uh, <clears throat> we know now that. Uh, uh, that the defense of New York and uh, uh, of Long Island, uh, of all those areas, was really not a, a good idea. The uh, the British had command of the sea, which means they could come ashore anywhere. And, and obviously when you have an island, uh, whoever controls the sea controls the island. <clears throat> the uh, Washington's army was forced to escape in the middle of the night. On the 15th of September, the British actually occupy New York City. Uh, The decision was made to abandon New York to get out of there because it was undefendable. Uh, On the 16th, there is actually another battle. Uh, It was never really meant to be a battle. The the British regulars were simply simply moving out uh, uh, in the area of Harlem Heights and encountered uh, Washington and Putnam's troops there, and a very small battle started. But then they began feeding troops into it. Both sides did. They began feeding troops into it, and uh, it turned into a really uh, to a full-scale battle. And uh, the troops, Putnam's and Washington troops, held their ground there. It's called the Battle of Harlem Heights. They held their ground there. But no side really won, and they eventually withdrew from there. <clears throat> and uh, 
And then the next battle we have is uh, uh, we have Benedict Arnold, who defeated the Battle of uh, Valkyrie Island, which is in Lake Champagne. But he delays the British advance. Now, for any of you guys interested in American Revolutionary War history, uh, that one sentence I read you is about as huge an insult as I can give uh, to Arnold's forces and to the battle that was fought there. The amount of uh, the amount of work, the labor, the ingenuity that uh, Arnold exhibited in this battle—it's a sea battle uh, within the lakes and the river there—on <clears throat> his retreat. <clears throat> Uh, from Canada was absolutely amazing. If you want to uh, to read some amazing stories, read about the uh, attacks that were made on Canada by Arnold and his troops. Uh, you want to hear about uh, about some hardships? You read about the uh, the colonial war with Canada when the colonials were attempting uh, to invade and take Canada. Uh, that is some hardships. All right, the next event is the Americans uh, retreating from White Plains from the battle there. Now there was uh, uh, this is a, another battle where the colonial forces actually had the upper hand uh, as far as. Uh, the number of casualties. The British sustained probably around 300. Uh, casualties with the Americans suffering around 200. All right, but but it wasn't uh, you couldn't call it a victory either. So now we have a couple of places where where the colonials are standing their ground, but they're not they're not winning. Now they've been defeated on Long Island. They've been driven off of Long Island and then driven out of New York, and they are now. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, have the battles on November 16th of Fort Washington and the British and Hessian forces capture Fort Washington which was a terrible defeat uh, for the colonials uh, a few days later Lord Cornwallis captures uh, Fort Lee from Nathaniel Green, and uh, this is another uh, terrible uh, defeat for the Colonials. Uh, we lost uh, uh, we lost uh, a tremendous amount of uh, of men and equipment in both cases, and uh, and we're driven out of uh, first out of New York. And then out of New Jersey and uh, <clears throat> and Washington has to cross the Delaware and put the Delaware between himself and the British regular forces. All right, this whole time men are the colonial uh the continental army, if it can be even called that at this point, it's still uh uh, very much a uh, a group of militias uh, banded together under the flag. It's very much uh, 
what you couldn't call as a uh, as an army in one piece. They're still trying to figure out what they're doing and uh, and how to actually uh, have a uh, a continental army to have a an army under control of uh, of one commander of one country and uh, and things aren't going so well as a matter of fact they're terrible with the loss of Fort Washington and then of Fort Lee <clears throat> the things uh, again going into winter things were looking absolutely bleak for the uh, for the Americans, things were looking absolutely uh, as bleak as they could be. Uh, many of the uh, the British considered uh, the what was left of what they called a pitiful ragtag army. Uh, what was left of it uh, was just simply a a, a group of naked, uh, half-clothed men and boys. Uh, with no leadership, and uh, and they could be easily crushed uh, once uh, once the warfare would resume in the spring. And for the colonials, uh, their uh, their view of how the war was progressing uh, couldn't have been much bleaker. Now, true, they had had some they had had some moments. Uh, Washington's escape from Long Island, of course, has to be uh, one of the more brilliant aspects uh, of that time of, of his career. However, you don't win wars by retreating. Just because you are managed to uh, make a miraculous river crossing in the dead of night and escape uh, underneath the noses of your enemy, uh, while being miraculous, it's not going to win you the war. And with the defeats of the of those two forts, and with the loss of almost three thousand men, uh, things look awfully bleak. Washington uh, was was in his private life dejected and horrified by this. So was Green. <clears throat> the Continentals were left with uh, with just a a tiny force of men. At this point, they didn't know what they were going to do. They didn't know what was left to them. Were they going to? They were going to be. Uh, were the following British regulars going to cross the Delaware after them, continue on to Philadelphia, take that uh, town? Uh, they had already evacuated Philadelphia. They had already sent the Congress uh, into hiding. They had already evacuated the town because they were certain that the regulars were going to continue on and even drive them uh, perhaps even further west. The enlistments of almost all of the troops were coming up uh, in just a uh, in just another couple of weeks. Uh, this is in uh, uh, at the end of November. We're coming up just in a couple of weeks. It was cold. Uh, there was snow and ice. Uh, there was not enough food. There was no winter clothing. Uh, there was very little uh, ammunition. Uh, there was no shelter. All of the uh, all of the gear that the army had, uh, they had had to leave behind 
at Fort Lee, all of the tents, cooking gear, all of their, uh, what you would call, call today, called the trains, which is uh, all of their supplies, had actually been lost. They'd been forced to abandon it at Fort Lee in their hasty retreat uh, in order just to save themselves and their, their personal arms. They'd had to, to make a mad dash from Fort Lee, and they left all of their stuff behind. So they had no shelter, uh, no way to cook things, no food. And a great majority uh, of those men present were sick. They were unfit for fighting. They were sick uh, from any number of diseases, from dysentery, from, uh, from cholera, from uh, chickenpox, uh, you name it. And they were sick. And there was only a handful of men left. Washington was down to uh, around 2,000 to 2,500 fit men, men who were fit for battle. And of those men, their enlistments were coming up. They were getting, they were getting ready to walk off because uh, I'm sure as they saw it, it was pretty much over. They had been driven... Uh, from New York and from New Jersey. Uh, they had been beaten uh, very severely in the last few battles that they had been in. They had no supplies, no food, no shelter, no winter clothes. And when I say no winter clothes, I don't mean they had uh, uh, not the appropriate winter clothes. Like they had, uh, uh, they were missing everything but their Gore-Tex parkas, uh, I'm talking about guys uh, with no pants. They just have some rags tied around their feet. Uh, They have a shirt and they have a blanket. This is the description given to many of the troops who were left to fight at that time. I mean, I want you to think about that for a minute. You You think about the hardships that you have to endure... And you think about uh, camping in the open uh, with, uh, with, say, your uh, pajama pants on, uh, maybe a pair of socks, uh, a T-shirt, and a blanket. And it's snowing. And you don't have uh, any food. There's very little firewood. Uh, you've got dirty water to drink. You've got a lot of folks sick. You got your wife and kids at home, and the last word from them was that they were running out of food. And then, would you please come home and and help them? This is the situation that the Continentals were in at the end of November, at the beginning of December. The enlistments were running out. Uh, there was a great deal of trouble. Uh, spirits were low. What was to be done? I've mentioned before about the letter that uh, Joseph Reed, Joseph Reed was Washington's secretary. <clears throat> Joseph Reed wrote a letter, uh, and I don't remember right now exactly who it was addressed to, but I remember reading the letter. And what he was talking about was <clears throat> the difference between folks who talked 
about liberty, who talked about what they were going to do uh, to safeguard their freedoms and liberty, and the folks who actually did safeguard their freedoms and liberties, who actually did something. And the way he put it was this. He said, when I look around me now, the I, I, I don't see the noisy, the boisterous, the, the loudmouth sons of liberty who spoke so much of what they would do. When I look around me now, I see those who I least expected. Those who I least expected are there. It wasn't all the folks who were, uh, and, and I'm not talking about... Uh, uh, I'm not talking about the man who actually said it, but the all the folks, all the give me liberty or give me death folks, or all the folks who said, uh, uh, let it never be said, if I had my musket, I wouldn't turn my back on these redcoats. I'm not talking about uh, the folks who actually said it. I'm talking about the uh, the hundreds of thousands of folks who re-uttered those same words. The noisy uh, sons of liberty, the same kind of folks that you see nowadays, the same kind of folks that you read on the internet, all of the, uh, all of the, the they'll, they'll take my gun when they pry it from my cold dead hands, folks. That's the folks I'm talking about. The noisy sons of liberty, the people who have a great deal of lip service to pay, but when the snow starts falling. When their feet start getting cold, they turn around and they go home. And then he looked around him, and what he saw was those he least expected. Those are the folks that stayed. Those are the folks that stayed, even though they were sick, even though they hadn't been paid, because they weren't getting paid. They were supposed to get paid, but there was no money to pay them. So they weren't getting paid. They weren't getting fed. They didn't have any warm clothes. Uh, they were running out of uh, uh, materials for uh, to keep them warm. There were no shelters, except those they could try and rig together uh, on the spot. Uh, they had been beaten. They had been licked awfully good the last few times they had been at bat with the British regulars. And yet they weren't given up. Now we're talking about a country of over a million folks in 1775. Out of those million folks, uh, a great majority of the people had given up. They'd gone home. They'd taken the, uh, the amnesty papers that uh, had been issued by uh, the Howe brothers, and they'd signed them. They'd taken them to their, uh, they'd taken them and signed them, and they'd sworn loyalty uh, to the king, because that's what they saw was the, the only way out was to uh, flip, to switch sides, and uh, get uh, get with the team that looked like it was going to win. Out of the million folks there's only a couple of thousand left who said, I'm not going home. I'm not giving up. 
I'm sick. I'm hungry. I haven't been paid. It's snowing right on top of my head because there is nothing between me and the sky up above but the good Lord Almighty. But I'm not giving up. Now, I want you to ask yourself, and and get an honest answer because you don't got to tell me. I'd like you to ask yourself what you would have done in that situation. What would your answer? What would your answer have been? Because that's an awfully hard question. Am I going to stay here? Am I going to stay here with this? With this others? With and there's only a few of us. Uh, many of the men actually wrote that uh, wrote that home. Uh, Lord protect us. There are so few of us facing the most powerful army uh, on the face of the earth at that time, the British regulars, <clears throat> and yet they stayed. They stayed. All right. <clears throat> At the end, at the end of December, their enlistments were going to be up. That was going to be it. Something had to be done. Anything was better than nothing. Anything was better than nothing. Washington didn't realize it at the time, <clears throat> but Howe and Cornwallis <clears throat> had. Uh, they had already gone into winter quarters. Uh, they had set up a series of outposts along uh, the New Jersey frontier there. One of the outposts there was at Trenton, and uh, it was occupied uh, by Rawls' uh, Hessian Brigade. He had approximately, uh, I believe, approximately 1,200 men stationed in Trenton. <clears throat> Washington decided that uh, he would take what he had left of the Continental Army and would attack Trenton. He had the plan set up, and they were going to attack on the day after Christmas. That means that Christmas night, they would have to cross the Delaware back into New Jersey. And the Delaware River was frozen. That's why you see in the, in the famous picture of Washington crossing the Delaware, the guys are in boats, and they they have other guys with their uh, with their oars and with poles pushing the ice out of the way so that they can cross it. They crossed it with uh, bringing the horses and their cannon with them, and uh, approximately two thousand troops that uh, crossed north of Trenton. There were supposed to be two other units that were crossing the Delaware at locations further south of Trenton. Those units couldn't make it because of the, the ice on the Delaware River. So Washington ended up attacking Trenton, all by his lonesome, uh, on the 26th. He crossed in the middle of the night, and he didn't get started. He, he started approximately four hours later than he wanted to. He didn't have all the troops and equipment across until around 3 a.m. And then he still had approximately five hours to march to get to Trenton. He wanted to make his attack 
uh, right at, you know, attack right in the darkness of daylight. But he knew, being 3 a.m., by the time he got started, he wasn't going to be able to make it. So once again, he had another decision to make. He didn't know who all was going to be able to help him. Now he knew that it wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to uh, have the surprise of a dawn attack. He was going to have to attack after daylight. And yet he still had to do it. Something had to be done. So he continued on with the attack. Luckily, his troops made it uh, to Trenton and were able to start their attack right around 8 o'clock that morning. Now, I want to remind you again that these troops were not... uh, they they weren't being uh, driven from warm barracks, uh, well-fed, well-clothed, to Trenton in deuce and a half so that they could make their attack. As I told you before, they'd already spent weeks, weeks in the cold uh, without winter clothing, without food, without shelter. They'd already spent weeks... Uh, exposed, and then for the last uh, three nights, they had pretty much gone without sleep. Now, they had certainly gone without sleep on the night of the 25th because it had taken them approximately eight hours to cross to Delaware. They had worked all through the night crossing the river. They made it across the river and then began their overland trek to Trenton at 3 a.m., and it was cold. It was frozen. Uh, they said that you could see, you could tell along the route, you saw plenty of areas where you could tell where they'd gone by the frozen blood left on the ice. Frozen blood, not from uh, from wounds of any battles. The blood from having your, from walking barefoot and having your feet uh, frozen and and exposed to the elements and ending up cracking open and then bleeding as you're walking. Now, I, like I said, I, I want you to think about these things. I want you to think about this for a moment and really think about it. Think about yourself and and what you would do in this situation because I can guarantee you right now uh, I served uh, uh, six years in the military, and uh, and believe me, I heard a lot of uh, of belly aching and boo hooing uh, over not getting hot chow out in the field, uh, over not having this or having that. Some of it's legitimate, but a lot of it, uh, uh, a lot of it was just uh, being forced. Uh, to proceed with a mission despite not having all of the comforts you would like. Now, I'd like you to uh, I'd like you to contrast and compare that with uh, not having food, shelter, uh, any type of uh, winter clothing, uh, being exposed for weeks to freezing rain. And snow, and it it began uh, a mix of freezing rain, sleet, and snow on them as they're marching. 
All right. So now they've gone through another sleepless night, another cold night, and it's raining and and sleeting and freezing uh, snow on the way. Now, <clears throat> along the route, two men died along the route from uh, from McConkie's Ferry to Trenton because they froze to death. They froze to death on the march. All right, can you see yourself there? Can you see yourself doing this? Can you, you see yourself uh, as a holdout in the last group where you've been distilled down to the last a couple of thousand men, all the rest having gone home to their war homes, to their wives and families, to a good hot meal on the table? I'm not, I doubt that very many of, them, many of them bathed that much, but if you were there and you decided to bathe, then you could do that at your home. Could you be among uh, the last group? When it seemed that there was no chance of victory, would you still be there? Would you still be there walking through the night uh, in summer clothing, barefoot on a road, on an icy road, pushing a cannon through the ice and sleet through the middle of the night, marching miles away to a battle? I don't know. That's a hard one. And yet these men were there. They get to Trenton. They fight, and they, they have an absolutely wonderful showing. Washington's forces take Trenton <clears throat> without the loss of a single soldier. Yes, there were some wounded, but they took uh, over a thousand prisoners. They defeated the Hessians. Now, many people say that these guys were uh, were still laying in their bunks, drunk uh, after celebrating Christmas. So it was no big deal. They just uh, they overran uh, a bunch of drunk German soldiers. Well, the records show, in testimony after testimony, that not a single witness uh, will testify that any of the soldiers were drunk. None of them were. As a matter of fact, uh, they were behaving absolutely as professional soldiers. And yet Washington's army defeats them at Trenton, takes over a 1,000 prisoners, all their gear, and then marches back to the Delaware, crosses the Delaware River, and what to do now? <clears throat> what to do now? Because the the regulars now are out and after them. What are they going to do now? The enlistments of most of the men had gone up. Uh, they they were they had ended uh, at the end of the year. And yet here was another chance, one more chance to steal victory. The decision was made to cross again, cross the Delaware again and attack Princeton. What they do. But first, Washington has to ask what troops he has left. If they are to commit 
to another uh, another six months of service. And at first, when he asked them, nobody steps forward. Uh, this is hard. It's hard for them. Uh, and yet, when he asked his second time, the men do agree. They agree, and he rapidly assembles a force to attack Princeton. They take Princeton. <clears throat> They're pushed back again. <clears throat> They're pushed back again. Uh, uh, at the battle, uh, after taking Princeton, they are pushed back again, and uh, and they're victorious. And this, these two battles, was the this was the turning point for the American Revolutionary War. Now it could have gone either way. It could have very, it could have just as have as easily have ended right there uh, by either not doing anything and the American Revolutionary War fizzles out, or uh, it could have been a defeat and and the the last remaining troops there, Washington, his last remaining troops. Uh, could have been defeated and captured. But they weren't. Instead, it was a victory, a victory uh, that that gave a much-needed shot into the arm of the movement. Now, these few men, these few men who refused to go home, who refused to give up, are the men that I would like to think that I would have been a part of, that I would have been there. And the only thing that the only, uh, the only thing that you can do is uh, ask yourself if you yourself, if you uh, would have been brave enough uh, to stay there with them through the. Uh, through the hardships, and fight, and continue to fight. Uh, And we've talked about this before on the program, because you have to be willing to fight to the very end if you're going to achieve victory. I'm going to tell you right now, no victory. Victory has never been snatched from the jaws of defeat by somebody who gave up and went home. It just doesn't happen. Okay? You can't snatch victory from the jaws of defeat by giving up. You have to be there fighting uh, to the very end, to that point when it looks like you will not survive. And yet somehow you make it. Somehow you make it past that point and you win. But the only way to get there is by not giving up. To me, this is a story that resonates in my heart whenever I talk about the American Revolutionary War. Certainly, the events of April 19, 1775 are very important to me. They're very exciting. They're very important. Uh, The events at Lexington and then at the North Bridge and Concord and then along Battle Road. 
Those are very exciting events, and certainly that is the birth of our nation. But then you go, you look to the later events. You look to this first winter and to the events at Trenton and Princeton, and you look at the 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 absolutely uh, minuscule amount of ragtag troops that our nation's very existence was pivotal upon. And it, it, to me, it's just simply amazing, you know, the debt that we owe these men, They're the ones who refused to give up, who refused to go home, not just when the going got bad. The going got bad a couple of months before. This is when the going was horrifying. Let me tell you, when when you are sitting uh, uh, around a little campfire in the middle of winter, and you guys are eating the leather from the bottom of, of somebody's shoes that they put into a, a pot and boiled the leather until it became supple enough for you to eat, you're in a pretty rough place. And yet they stayed and fought. They stayed, and from them staying, from their refusal uh, to leave, their refusal to abandon their hopes of freedom, of liberty, victory was snatched from the jaws of defeat. A much-needed shot was sent into the arms of the, the colonial troops. Recruitment began again in earnest. Folks began to uh, uh, to enlist again in earnest. Uh, once again, it was seen that victory might be possible. This allowed uh, the colonials uh, to go into uh, into winter camp with some hope. Uh, with some hope uh, to bring to the year of 1777. Now, you're going to see the uh, Washington's army into winter quarters at Valley Valley Forge. Now, this was also a very difficult time for the colonial troops but in my in my mind this was not as difficult a time as the first winter now it was certainly a pivotal point uh in the uh in the formation of the continental forces and it was certainly uh, pivotal in the uh in the welding of the troops into an actual functioning army. You know, they went into quarters there in Valley Forge. In Valley Forge, uh, people talk of Valley Forge, when they say Valley Forge, they think about it, uh, they're thinking of, uh, uh, you know, horrible, terrible winter and uh, and the troops uh, starving, etc. Now, Valley Forge wasn't that. Uh, Valley Forge was actually... Uh, it was a much more thought out winter camp you know the the shelters were uh were set up in good fashion the camp was laid out in a, in a very military fashion 
but the and and times weren't easy. But they did have a supply of food. They did have clothing coming in. Uh, they were being uh, supplied. The pivotal point of Valley Forge is that they had actually uh, they had actually been brought together, and they had been uh, they had been. Uh, trained uh, at Valley Forge. They actually received training uh, for the first time uh, that allowed them to function uh, as a uh, as a military force. Up to this time, they'd been functioning as uh, as well, as independent militias. Now, I'm not saying that they were. Uh, uh, they were independent of command. I'm saying that's how they thought about themselves, as not as an army, but as individual groups of folks. Uh, they they all did their things in their own way. There was no uh, uh, consistent manual of arms. There was no uh, consistent way to uh, to march, to attack, to uh, anything like that. And. Uh, at Valley Forge, there was a uh, uh, there was a uh, European commander, Von Steuben, who was brought in to train them, and he actually trained uh, a group, uh, a number of the troops. He hammered them out uh, with uh, with European style tactics. Uh, and trained them, and then those men went back to their units, and they trained their units. And in this way, this kind of locked the the Continentals uh, into a, actually into a cohesive uh, type army. They actually had uh, uh, a manual of arms. Now they had a way they were all supposed to act, a way they were all supposed to uh, begin an attack, a way that they were all supposed to uh, form up. Uh, they had uniforms, and they were actually working now uh, as a cohesive uh, army. So this was a, a very uh, uh, important turning point. When they came out of the winter quarters from Valley Forge, uh, they came out uh, with a completely different mindset uh, as an army. Uh, they were more, much more professional. Uh, they moved better. They looked better. They understood what they were supposed to be doing better. Many of them had served now for a couple of years. They understood. They were beginning to understand uh, <clears throat> their uh, their jobs, and uh, uh, it was a very important turning point for the colonial forces. <clears throat> All right. Uh, that's basically what I wanted to uh, what I wanted to tell you guys about tonight was about uh, about what I consider and and for you to uh, obviously uh, I just gave the the briefest of descriptions. Uh, there are quite a few books that go over uh, each of these battles, each of these time periods, uh, in a lot in much. 
<clears throat> greater detail uh, in a couple of books. Uh, and each book, every time you read a different book, like if you read a book by uh, by one person on the Battle of Princeton uh, or the Battle of Trenton, uh, then you get you get the information from one viewpoint, and then you read a book from another perspective, then you get another slice of information. You get the information maybe you didn't get in the first one. You get a lot of different viewpoints. You get a lot of different aspects of what went on there. And I encourage you to seek out these books and read them. Uh, for me, this is a very important part of the American Revolutionary War. When you have a group of men, a small group of men, Millions of folks are depending on them. They could quit. They should quit. They should have quit and gone home. But they didn't. And because they didn't, they ended up uh, turning around the direction the, the Revolutionary War was headed in, which allowed the Continental to continue fighting. Our nation depended uh, – well, you can do the, the, the math yourself. You have over a million folks, and their fate is decided by approximately 2,000 men. For me, this is a very, uh, very telling part, and also because, uh, because of Reed's letter. You know, I think that is a – a great example, a great, uh, a great example of uh, of folks today. You know, uh, of any time period. You have the folks who are going to stand there with their clenched fist and shake it in the air and say, "Oh, I'm going to do such and such." Uh, death before dishonor. They won't take my gun until they pry for my cold hands. Blah, blah, blah. And yet, what do they do? They don't do anything. They sure like to talk and talk. They're not too interested in walking the walk. You get it distilled down to just a few guys who are going to walk the walk. You know, we have that now in the... Uh, we have that now in our program. We've got... Uh, you got a great number of folks who say uh, we're going to do such and such, and we're going to uh, uh, we're going to do this, and we're going to preserve our freedoms and liberties. But the number of folks who actually do it are very few. Look at the number of folks in the uh, in our project who are instructors and uh, who are out doing events. It's a uh, it's a pretty small number of folks when you compare it to 200 million Americans. And yet the one thing that I can guarantee you is that we're going to make a difference. What we're doing right here this year, every weekend, what we're doing is making a difference. Now, you're not going to... It's hard to see it in the beginning because what you have is you have... uh, you have a couple of thousand guys who are out there putting seeds in the ground. And Lord knows, even if it was a uh, 
completely plowed field, the first year you're not really going to see anything, right? You look out there across the field after it's been growing for a year, and you, something's growing out there. I don't know what it is, but you know something's growing out there. After the second or third year, you can say, well, you know, yeah, I can see some stuff. I can see some stuff, but I don't really know what it is. There's definitely there's something growing out there. Yeah, I know, but I don't know what it is. At five or six years, then you start saying, you go, you know what, those those are trees out there that I see. Those are trees that are growing in that field. After 20 years, you've got some huge trees. The field is no longer an open field. It's a dense uh, orchard filled with fruit-bearing trees. But at first, it's an open field. That's where we're at. All right. Uh, I'd like to remind you guys that we still have time to put a few more shoots on the books before the end of the year. There's still time. There's no reason that uh, <clears throat> that uh, by the end of this week that we can't get another 48 shoots added to the books for uh, 2010. That's one per state. Listen, that's an easily doable thing, one per state. Uh, I'd, I'd like for you guys to please take a look at uh, your state and see if you can't just put one more book, one more event on the books before the end of the year. This is going to give you a chance. Uh, say you, say that the 45, uh, there's 45 events put on the books before the end of the year. All right? And uh, out of those 45 events, uh, maybe you get uh, uh, maybe two people from each event that say they're going to sign up to become instructors. All right. That's that's 90 instructors. All right? That's 90 instructors. We're going to need those guys in the coming year. All right? And we're going to need them to have some events under their belts before April 19th. So see if you can't put on another uh, on one more event before the end of the year uh, for your state, one per state. That's uh, it's a, a doable thing, I think. <clears throat> All right. Then the other thing is, is please make sure that you are uh, that you're getting your events for the upcoming year on the books for 2011. I want to make sure that we get as many of the events listed as soon as possible. Uh, now, I haven't taken a look at the instructor schedule yet. I don't know if it's open uh, for instructors to begin signing up or not. Uh, so, uh, Sam, do you know whether or not uh, the 2011 schedule is uh, is open for events for instructors signing up yet? I haven't uh, seen it yet. Not really sure. Let me take a look while I'm up here. Okay. Uh, if it is... Then make sure that you are uh, that you guys instructors are already uh, going in there, taking a look at the events, and uh, and getting yourself listed for those events. Uh, you know, the best time to do it is right at the beginning. You know, picking the plums, the best ones that, uh, that you would like to take, and getting those events, uh, getting signed up for them. <clears throat> Scott, right, we are the, uh, we are showing uh, sign ups for the 2011 events here, so. It is open. 
Perfect. All right, then I, I'd like to encourage you guys, for you instructors, to go ahead, start filing through there, start uh, looking at your schedules, and uh, and start signing up for the events. Uh, we need to have these filled up as far as the instructing wise as soon as possible. Uh, pay close attention to the April nineteenth events. Make sure that uh, that you have uh, number one you, that you've got these shoots on the books uh, for April nineteenth. Number two that you've picked out the one that you'd like to go to, and that you're already putting your crew together uh, to assist you. You shoot bosses. Make sure that you're signing up to take your April nineteenth event, and that you're uh, you're cultivating uh, uh, two more. Uh, uh, a couple of more IITs uh, to help you run those events. Uh, <clears throat> then uh, promotions. Uh, the promotions job is the most critical thing that we're doing right now. Promotions is the most critical part of the program right now because without promotions, we don't have new folks coming in. Without new folks coming in, we don't have uh, instructors. And without instructors, <clears throat> we're not going to be able to run the number of events we would like to run. So it's it's very critical that each of you guys, and I know that a lot of folks don't like to do this. They don't want to, uh, or they don't think that they can. They don't think that they have the abilities to it. And listen, each and every one of you guys has the ability uh, to do the promotions. And, of course, the, the first most obvious or I say the most obvious. It's uh, it's our best kept secret, right? It's the uh, low tech height of word of mouth. Word of mouth, of course, is the most obvious, uh, the best way information uh, to get somebody to attend an event. In word of mouth, and it doesn't take a whole lot of previous exposure uh, to the program. They don't have to have seen a flyer. Uh, or to have read anything about the program anywhere, <clears throat> all they have to do is about is hear about it from you. You're a trusted friend or family member, and you tell them, "Hey, look, this is really something you can you can, you should consider attending." And because you are a trusted friend or family member, they say, "Okay, you got it. I'll be there. When is the date?" And they attend the event. Now I told you before that uh, it seems like. On the surface of it, it would seem like this is uh, not a very effective way to do things. But look at the number of folks that uh, that are in the forum. You know, we've got about 10,000 of us now. So if each of those people got one person to attend, that's 10,000 folks right off the bat. That's just with one person. That's not you getting out there and... Uh, and uh, press on the flesh and handing out flyers at events. That's just you saying, hey, uh, I'm going to get one person to attend. And really, that's not a, a hard thing to do once a month. It's not that hard a thing to do. You, you, uh, Unless you're an absolute hermit, uh, you're coming into contact with folks on a fairly regular basis. A lot of these folks want to attend an event, and now we're – we're getting close to a tipping point. As far as uh, as our name being known, you know, brand recognition as our name being known, people are hearing about us through different uh, 
venues that uh, you're not going to have a hard fight. There's a lot of people who have heard about the program, and they're simply waiting for their personal invite from you. So go ahead and give it to them. Go ahead and give them that personal invitation. And uh, inviting one person per month shouldn't be that hard a deal, getting one person a month to attend. Now think about that. We had 10,000 folks. They each get one person a month to attend. One person. One person a month. And all of a sudden we got 120,000 folks going through the program. Uh, that puts us, uh, what, uh, two years ahead? So the low-tech, high-yield method of word of mouth is still the, the method that is pushing uh, our program. You know, up, uh, 50% or more of the folks who attend an event are attending it because of word of mouth. Well, uh, we need your mouth putting those words in the ears of folks who would like to attend, a lot of folks just a lot of folks are waiting to attend an Appleseed event. They're ready to go. I guarantee you, there's over a million people who are willing right now to go to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekend. The only reason they're not going is because they don't know about it. They need to, they need to hear that word from your mouth in their ear to let them know it even exists. So take the time, uh, take the time to uh, to talk to folks, and it's it's really not hard. Uh, I know I wasn't that comfortable with it uh, when I first started, but you know you do it three or four times, and it it, it gets easier each time you do it. It just gets easier, and uh, and after a couple of times, you develop your own uh, uh, what we call the elevator speech. You know, it's called the elevator speech because. When you meet somebody uh, on the street or uh, or in an elevator, and you've got them uh, at a crosswalk or something like that, or at a gas pump, you have them for that uh, 30 seconds it takes until you get to the third floor, where the door opens and they can rush out and escape from you. You got them for that 30 seconds, so you got that much time uh, that you can use to politely inform them of the existence of the Appleseed Project, and that's all you got to do. Uh, all you have to do is let them know that it exists. You don't have to uh, you don't have to convince them to attend it. Uh, believe me, either they're, they're going to go or they're not. And it's not that you're going to convince them. Either they're either they're ready to go, or they're not. That's just that's the way it is. Either somebody's ready to uh, attend an event now, or they're not. So either they're going to say uh, thanks, no thanks. Uh, don't like guns, don't like you, and uh, and please go. And and what have you suffered? Nothing. Not a thing. Believe me, I know, because uh, I've walked away from, uh, I can't tell you how many hundreds of uh, conversations like that now. And you know what? I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. Nothing's happened to me. <clears throat> and uh, And I'm not going to say every other time you do it, but... Uh, it's going to happen just enough time to keep you going, and somebody's going to say, "Really, really, what do you got? What's the information?" And then you're going to have find folks. Uh, uh, every uh, tenth person is going to be that one you're really looking for, the one that says, "Man, are you kidding me? This is exactly uh, what I've been looking for." Or they're going to say, "Oh yeah, 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 
yeah, I read about that. Uh, I read about that somewhere the other day, somewhere online. I was reading about that, and I will try to figure out how to get more information on it. I'm glad. I'm glad you stopped and talked to me about this. And they're going to go, and they're going to end up. That one person that you talk to is going to end up being uh, the person who eventually starts ramrodding uh, the program in your state. Uh, we've got uh, a person here in Texas like that, uh, Chuck Laming. He's red dot on the forum. Uh, we got him to an attend an event, and uh, he has to be one of the hardest. Uh, he's like the James Brown of the Appleseed uh, uh, project right now here in Texas. He's been doing uh, an event uh, uh, three out of four weekends every month for the last four months, and uh, he's just uh, he's a ball of fire. Now. I'm not saying you're going to hit that person. You're probably only going to hit uh, uh, one out of 100 when you talk to them. But they're out there, and the only way to find them is to talk to the folks and find them. And and remind yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this to make money for somebody? Am I doing this to make money for the uh, uh, for the program? I don't think the, app, the answer to that is, is certainly uh, no, because... We're really not making uh, uh, much money. You can see we've opened up uh, just about every kind of category you can to, to uh, free attendance. And why? Because we're not working at this uh, from a commercial outlook. We're working at this because we're trying to have an impact on the direction our nation is going. And, yeah, it's going to take a lot of work to get this done. But guess what? You're not going to have to walk... Uh, 75 miles in freezing rain, barefoot, to get it done. Now, if those guys were willing to do that, can't you at least talk to the person across the gas pump from you? I mean, don't you got that much in you? That's what's in my mind whenever I talk to somebody about the program. I say, look, and I'm talking to myself, Look, Scott, you're you're what you're up against. What your uh, what your comparison and contrast is this, you know, is uh, a bunch of guys who who hadn't eaten a good meal in weeks, who were in the freezing rain, snow, sleet, without uh, shelter, uh, without clothes, uh, with wet gunpowder going up against uh, highly trained professional men with uh, a uh, a better than 50% chance that you were going to get your behind handed to you, that you may very well indeed get killed, or even worse, wounded. And yet they did it anyway. They did it. It was that important to them. So... How important is it to me? How important is it to me? Now, granted, uh, there is not, uh, we're doing this in the abstract because there is not a physical uh, army of redcoats that we're facing. But listen to me very carefully. If you think the danger is any less that we're facing, then you're sadly mistaken. If you think that the threat 
of the loss of our freedoms and liberties is any less real, is going to be uh, any less disastrous for us, then I don't think that you understand uh, what's going on in the nation right now. If you think that your responsibility for leaving to your posterity, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your great-grandkids, to the, to the millions of Americans who you'll never know, you'll never know them, you'll never meet them, that your responsibility to leave them a nation with their freedoms intact is any less real, then I don't think that you have the situation, that you have a good grasp on the situation, because we are in that position. We are are in just as precarious a position as those men and women in 1775. It just doesn't look the same. The threat we face right now uh, is more akin to the to the rust that you find on the uh, uh, in between the steel beams underneath the bolts uh, on the girders of the steel bridges uh, on the uh, in the holes of the battleships the rust that is attacking our nation it's the same exact uh, danger it just doesn't look the same all right, let's uh let's take a caller real quick. I told folks that I would let them uh I'd let them chime in. Area code seven one four, you're on the air. Yeah, hi Scout. Uh Johnny Appleseed from uh California. Hey Johnny. Good to hear <laughs> your voice. You too, sir. Uh, when, nice will job. Be, when will we be seeing you again? Oh, pretty soon. Nice job on Valley Forge, by the way. I really enjoyed it. Oh, well thanks. I mean it was just a no, no, barely, I, uh, I like that. I, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from it, and I, I always like to learn. So, um, one of the things for promos that um, uh, that uh, we're saying at the shoots, and sometimes we have an IIT do it, and sometimes a real enthusiastic attendee, is that uh, we can't double the program. I can't double it, but all of you can. Just bring somebody else next time you come back. So, uh, if that's reiterated a couple times during the event, um, that's that's been fairly successful, and. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that they're already there, so we'll we'll make them double the program for us. Well, listen, that is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the word of mouth and the fact that whenever you get uh, and I, it's always good to have events scheduled fairly tightly together because, just like you said, the the folks that you talk to in, at the events, and I'm talking about the, especially the folks on the Sunday afternoon. When you're doing the the Sunday benediction, the guys mm-hmm. that are still there at the end of the day on Sunday are are kind of like the uh, the apple seed equivalent of the folks uh, uh, who were sitting on the uh, the banks of the Delaware there uh, in December uh, of 1776. They're the folks who stayed till the very end. They didn't leave. Uh, they didn't get bored. They didn't get hot. They didn't get tired or, or, or anything else and leave. They're still there at the end. They want to find out how it ends. They want to see how this um, thing ends. And uh, exactly right. Those brother. are the folks. Yeah. Those are the folks that, when you tell them that you need them, you need their help. I need you to bring somebody with you 
to the uh, to the month uh, you know X Y Z event uh, that's happening at this location. I need you to bring somebody with you to that event. Those are folks that will go out and do that for you. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh... Uh, publicly offer a, a word of thanks to the people that uh, that I never really think about till I need them, and that's uh, oh, Scuzzy, Bill, Three, Dry Fire, Spit Stickler, the W3 people, Eel, Moggs, Coley, Techries, uh, Hawk, Haven, uh, the gals and admin, Patriot, Gal, Mickey, Jerry Hall, SS, you know all these folks. Um, you know they're they're really doing so hard behind that uh, uh, behind that computer thing, and. Uh, um, we're all really grateful for their for their efforts. Did you mention Savage Shooter? I think I mentioned FSS, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to make yeah. sure that we've mentioned Savage Shooter. One more time, I want to mention Savage Shooter because uh, <laughs> I, I depend on her a lot. <laughs> we well, all depend all of, on her a yeah. lot. Yeah, all of these folks, you know, the the people that send out the supplies and, you know, I don't know them all by name, but, you know, my heart's out to them because – by goodness, they're they're doing one heck of a job for us, uh, getting everything together. And without them, you know, we don't really get anything done. So, um, if I forgot somebody, my sincerest apologies because uh, you're in my heart, and my thanks go out to you. Right, and I would like to uh, I'd like to mention again that uh, that if you have somebody. Uh, that you would like to uh, that you would like to mention what a great job they're doing, and that's one of the things that that we want to use this show for. And uh, if you've got somebody you want to mention, please call in and let's get them uh, uh, mentioned on the show because that's one of the things that uh, we do at the, at the Apathy Project. We do a lot of things really, really good, and then there's a few things we don't do so hot at all. And uh, one of those is is Patting folks on the back and saying, "Hey, you're doing a great <laughs> job." Yeah. I mean, we well, thanks, uh, Fuzzy. <laughs> we, yeah, we uh, we pretty much uh, we pretty much ride them like dogs into the dirt, and uh, yeah, yeah, and we're real good at that. But without them, uh, the project would not be moving along. Uh, we sure appreciate. What else it. are you guys? What else? Give me some more stuff that uh, you guys are doing there for promotions. Well. Uh, the, the elevator speech um, uh, works really well. Um, I have the trifold in my pocket, and I say, uh, have you heard of the Appleseed Program? And then right away they, they say no. And I say, oh, well, it's a nationwide program, uh, heritage and marksmanship. You remember who founded the country, right? Right, Rifleman. And then you answer it for them. And you hand them a brochure, and you say, thank you for your consideration. Uh, check out the website on the back of it. It's the best rifle clinic in the world. I was in the Marines for four years. It's better than that. And it takes, what, 15, 20 seconds, and you leave them with a flyer, and you walk away. Uh, unless they want to engage you, and then of course you can take more time. But um, that's that's the way I do the elevator speech. Uh, as for promotions, we just keep passing out flyers. Uh, oh, um, at, uh, yeah, at listen, I, I, I hate to mm-hmm. I hate to interrupt you, and we'll continue on. We'll continue talking, uh, and then uh, if any of the folks want that want to get the end of the conversation, they can go to the archives. But we're going to stop streaming in about uh, thirty seconds. So real quickly. Let me tell everybody uh, thank you for tuning in tonight, and uh, and remember uh, that uh, we can't give up, we can't uh, slow down, we can't submit. We've got to keep going. We'll see you all uh, again on this next Tuesday night. Sam B, thank you once again for uh, Hi, for helping me out. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. And we're gonna stay on here. We'll talk for another few minutes about the promotions and stuff. So. Uh, 
for the, this will be uh, in the archives. But uh, uh, we'll see the rest of you guys uh, this next Tuesday. Make sure that you're uh, sending me any uh, suggestions you have for uh, for guests for upcoming shows. And uh, thank you all. God bless you. We'll see you uh, this next Tuesday. Good night, everybody. Good job, Scott. Good night. All right. All right. So, Johnny, mm-hmm. keep going. You, uh, okay. you say one of the things you're doing. Yeah, and one of the things, and this happened at FS's shoot, this um, this gal's driving down the street, and she sees a uh, Gadsden flag. So she stops at the house, puts a flyer on the door or in the mailbox, and that person showed up for the apple seed. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they had a, you know, a don't tread on me uh, flag, along with the American flag, on their porch. Right. And, uh, right, and listen, uh, yeah. I'm still... Uh, I'm still more than willing to uh uh I'm I've been working uh pretty steadily here in Texas setting up uh radio, television, uh and newspaper uh interviews and uh, stuff and we've got a pretty solid uh schedule from here to the end of the year. Now, I know uh and I don't want this to worry anybody. I know that we take a beating every time we do an interview, all right? Okay? Let's get over it because it's always going to happen. From now until the end, it's going to happen. We're going to take a beating every time we do an interview. So so just get ready. Go in there ready to take a beating because the end result of this is is that people – Email me and call me and say, "When's the next one? When can I come? When can I come?" Yeah, some people are gonna they're gonna watch the Anti Defamation League interview and go, "Oh my gosh, I I can't get involved with them." <laughs> but well, maybe those I, I don't know if those people would have come in the first place. Probably not. Uh, the majority of the folks are going to to look at it just like they look every night and see through the facade that they see through every night and see what it really is. It's a group of folks. Uh, trying to have an impact on the nation, and they're going to end up coming. So it's a way yeah. to reach more people. So uh, if you want to, if you yeah. want to get a, uh, uh, if you want to get an interview or something set up for your uh, your state or for one of your shoots or something, give me a call or uh, or PM me or email me, and I will do my best to get uh, one of the television stations, one of the local stations or something, to come out and cover your event. All right, because uh, I, I don't think that we should be afraid of uh, of getting poked in the eye or getting a black eye from one of these interviews because uh, because it has always shown. You know, we've been doing this for a while. We've been smacked in the face for quite a while, and uh, and we always end up better for it. So, if you guys, if if somebody needs some help getting a uh, a television or newspaper uh, interview set up. Give me a call, and I will do everything in my power to get one set up for your location. All right? One thing I'd like to hear you do, Scout, and I'd like you to do this uh, every week if you could, is maybe do something like you did on the Valley Forge. What was it, 10, 12 minutes? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and, and just kind of incorporate that into, uh, into every show. I would appreciate it, and I think other people would too, because these are the stories that, that we need um, I'm going to be doing another shoot um, in Arizona, Kingman again, and I'm going to have the same people I had last time, so I'm going to need some new stuff, and I'm going to bring in this Valley Forge because it's going to be cold, and I'm going to try to use some of the stuff you did. So 
uh, as you yeah, do these things. Yeah, take a read at it. Take a uh, read. And you're good uh, at it. Uh, what's well, his name? Uh, oh, the the author. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, and uh, uh, he wrote a story on it. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times I've read the book now. Probably twenty five times. Uh, yeah. It's uh, hold on a second. I'll, I'll take a look at it. Uh, David McCullough. David McCullough okay. mm-hmm. wrote uh, the uh, the uh, the book 1776, and uh, it's a great uh, it's a great uh, it's a wealth of information about 1776, which was uh, you know it was pretty horrifying for the Continental forces. You know they yeah. they had the terrible defeat there in uh, uh, in Brooklyn and. Uh, and then they lost uh, uh, the two forts, and they were being driven, uh, basically, out of the colonies. <clears throat> but at the same time, there were a lot of other uh, there was a lot of other stuff that was going on that was working toward them. It was working for them. They just didn't know it. Uh, such as the uh, when the uh, when the British occupied New Jersey, the British and Hessian forces. Uh, they were they were rough as hell on all of the folks there in New Jersey, uh, even there even supposedly the loyalists. I mean, they had uh, uh, one of the accounts says uh, so sums up pretty well. It says, uh, uh, "Friend and foe alike suffered from the hand of rapine," and uh, and there are accounts of thousands of. Uh, of folks, uh, we're talking about loyalists too, uh, plundered, robbed, raped, and murdered uh, by the occupying forces. So at the same time that uh, the things are going well, and they considered that they they'd had to abandon New Jersey and give it up, the the folks in New Jersey that they're actually turning the corner, so that whenever there is the victories at Princeton and Trenton to start enlisting by the thousands. And uh, and that actually, that was, uh, like I said, that was a huge turning point uh, of the war. And uh, Valley Forge? Well, no, that Valley Forge was the winner of 77-78. The winner oh, of 70, okay. uh, of 76-77 uh, is were the battles of Trenton and uh, Princeton and okay. uh, and the turning point there for New Jersey. Say we, uh, we've 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 got another way for promotion, which is which doesn't cost anything, and it's the triflaros or the or the SWAT reprints, and that's anybody that has a Marine Corps or a military uh, type uh, bumper sticker. My son is a Marine, or my son's Army. Anybody with NRA stickers in parking lots, um, you know, I I just put one on the windshield. <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah, yeah, uh, that's definitely. I mean, if you're, and there's no reason you can't do that. I don't go to Walmart without a uh, stack of trifolds in my pocket. I just don't because I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some use for them, even if it's only, you know, I'll make the, uh, I make it to the uh, magazine rack, and I grab the uh, shotgun newses, and uh, I pull the whole stack out. I set it on the counter, the whole stack of it. I turn to Fred's column and I put a trifold in there because Great you know idea. because yeah. I just I, I want when they hit the, when they hit that uh, tr- when they hit the Fred's column mm-hmm. I want that trifold to uh, to be sitting right there waiting for him. Now 
You don't want to do it while the Walmart guy is standing right next to you because uh, uh, I'm sure it's against some law. It has to be. There are hundreds of thousands of laws in America, so they it's got to be covered by one of them. Don't but, uh, it. but there's no reason that, I mean, you just slip it in there. And uh, I, like I said, I don't go anywhere without the trifles because that's one of the best tools that we have. They look absolutely great, and that's, and that's thanks to uh, uh, Kirk Wheeler, uh, Texan, by the way, and uh, he did a great job of, uh, of doing those. Now, at the same time, there's another great set that uh, Josie Wales did in New York because uh, I've got a stack of those, too, that I hand out. So uh, they're, they're absolutely, uh, they're absolutely uh, essential, uh, I think, to get the point across. Because they look slick. Uh, mm-hmm. You can talk to somebody all day long, but until you hand them something that's done professionally, you right. could be anybody, you know? You yep. could be anybody. That's why I encourage the folks, go to uh, Vistaprint or go to Staples Get you 500 business cards made for 10 bucks, and uh, that has uh, you don't have to put any personal information on them other than just your. You can put your name and Appleseed Project, and then uh, the website. If you don't want to put your personal yeah. phone number on there, put the website on there. That if you decide to give your personal your personal phone number out, you can just write it on with a pen. I ha- I go ahead and just put mine on there. Uh, sure. Because mine is now on billboards all over the nation, so I might as well just hand it out. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and it's, uh, a, it's a heritage organization, and, uh, right? And we and you can hand that pride to them, what we're doing. until uh, until you put something professional in their hands, you're just you're just somebody talking to them. And if you need promotional materials, contact your state coordinator, uh, because uh, that's something that we can we can drop ship that right to your door. We can drop ship you a, a bundle of a uh, you know. 500 or 1,000 or a couple of thousand, depending on how active you are with it, and we'll drop ship those right to you, and uh, and you can start handing those out. So many people now, I'll tell you what, the, the trifles have done a huge service for us. A lot of people are seeing them. Uh, yes. i tell you, the other thing I do is, you know, I, I, I travel on a fairly regular basis, and whenever I'm on the, uh, uh, the interstate, Mm-hmm. Every time I stop at a uh, 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 rest stop, I just go in there to where they have all the uh, uh, whatever they are, the three and a half by eight or three oh, and a yeah. half by eleven. Yeah, all up from over the, just, the lakes and the. Yeah, I just slide yeah. a, I slide five or six uh, in there. What are they going to do? They're not going to do anything. How do they know they're not, they don't belong there? You know. Sure, and, some people uh, might even like it. Yeah. Uh, Apple and, uh, is uh, really, really, really taking off, taking off nicely. Um, golly, you know, a thousand shoots this year, almost. Yeah, and I've got, uh, uh, I've got the billboards. Uh, hopefully, they'll be ready. Uh, yeah, ready in the next uh, for California. Did I meet you in Mingus uh, in '06? Me? Were you there? Yeah, were you there in Mingus in '06? No, no, no. Remember, well, no. You, you remember when we met? We met in uh, El Paso. Well, we met in El Paso, but I wondered if we were in Ming- if we were in Mingus too. It was a no. huge shoot. No, no the we, first one. We met in El Paso. I'll tell you ah. guys this, Johnny. Johnny, <laughs> I think he had some psychological damage done to him because uh, he showed up at uh, the hotel in El Paso, and uh, he knocked on the door. And we said, "Come on in," and he opened the door, 
and uh, uh, let's see, Vortrekker <laughs> and Snaith and I, yep. three of us had just driven uh, overnight okay, sure. to get to El Paso. And Steve and I were laying in the bed together, and uh, he opened the door, and he's sitting there looking at Steve and I laying in bed together, and you could, I could no. just see the look on his face. I know that just was apple seed. I was surprised there were only two of you in the bed. Fred put six in the bed. Yeah. A couple of under the bed, too, and some in front of it. And I walked to the bathroom with Fred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fred, oh, yeah. He's, Fred's ready. He's like, uh, you can fit four in there. Uh, I read a story where Hancock and Adams and the other 25 signers of the Declaration were in the bed together. <laughs> what do you say? One of the signers one, of, the, yeah. of the Declaration of Independence was sleeping in the tub. Here I have the evidence right here. <laughs> um, have you seen that paper that, uh, uh, that says what the founders went through when they signed the Declaration? Well, I read a book on it. Uh, uh-huh. I don't remember the name of the book yeah. now, and I, I every, occasionally I'll put I try and put these books in the show page listings whenever I do it, so that so that other folks can can be reading some of the things that I think are really relevant. But uh, yeah, the book I passed one around on my last happened. shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it works really well. Absolutely I, I, I had the attendees, yeah, yeah, I had the attendees read it uh, because it was it was such a small shoot, and I and I just said. Uh, read one and then pass it on to the next guy. And, you know, by the time it went around, uh, you could tell that people were, were really noticeably uh, affected by it. Right, um, right, because and, uh, here's what you're saying. You're going, look, here, all I'm asking you to do is bring a guy to a shoot next week, all right? You're not, right. Now you read what this guy went through. He's uh, lost his kids. His uh, home was burned to the ground. Uh, yep. You know, he, he spent five years, uh, you know, Trying to uh, escape arrest, uh, you know, lost his whole fortune. Uh, sure. Started out as a wealthy man, ended up as a pauper. You know, I'm going to uh, tie that what you just told me uh, about this is all we're asking you to do is bring somebody here because yeah. uh, you you you've got a lot of right stuff to say, and I well I uh, I always try to learn you know from stuff because I well. <laughs> I, I need a lot of work, but uh, uh, but you know well, those that, are the kind that of is, that's the point, though, is that we're not we're not asking you yeah. to to sacrifice your home, and we're not asking you to get get shot in the leg and then exactly. make you go through five different amputations uh, before you finally die of it. Uh, all we're asking oh, you to yeah. do. Is just bring one person to an event. You can do that. Yep. It's easy. Yeah. You well want said. to do that. You know, you want to do that. Yeah. And exactly do. right, brother. The folks yeah. on the Say It Sunday, they want to do that. They want to hear more, especially those folks that uh, whenever you, when you finally release everybody, it's over. You'll always have, you know, three or four folks that they don't want to go, you know. No, but they don't want to leave. It's always, it's always something. Yeah, they don't want to go. They want to. They want to keep going. Those are the folks that you really want to concentrate on because they want to. They want to be part of it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you and I were talking about this, uh, uh, let's see, maybe a month or two ago, and uh, I've been pushing that uh, to the folks here in Texas as uh, uh, if when you identify that person on Saturday. Then uh, you take them with you to the restaurant. 
You know, you take them with you for the instructor's yep. dinner. Because that uh, that $8 that you're going to invest there is uh, is going to bring you back a lot more in return. So there's no reason you're right. you, can't, you can't take that guy to the restaurant with you and get him involved. Because the, the deeper you get them involved in what you're doing, the better a chance is that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna walk up there with their hand out and saying I need the hat. Well, we we did it in Canton where we invited everybody that stayed, and uh, I said, well, you know, if we have some pizza, I don't I think we can probably get everybody some pizza, you know. <laughs> and um, we had a real good result on on people, you know, that that went to other shoots and did IIT stuff. Of course, we're not going to get everybody, but if they leave with a great feeling of it, uh, and even if they're not actively involved, but if they leave with a really great feeling, they'll come back or they'll tell people about it. Because you know, right? Um, and then make sure that you've gotten the uh, the information, gotten their contact information, and you put yes. it all together in a mailing uh, file in your in your uh, Outlook program. And uh, the week before the next event, you shoot everybody. Uh, shoot everybody who's ever been to one of your one of the Appleseed events. Shoot them an email. Saying, hey, God, I don't do it to that, but I, know? I'll start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just have them. <laughs> you know, we we need we'd like you to attend. You know, you know you had a great yep. time. Well, everybody has a great time. I mean, we have a great time. <laughs> but, uh, well, brother, Damn. I'm going to have to Damn. head on out. It's been such a pleasure chickens. talking with you. I can't wait to see you at a shoot or maybe an instructor thing, huh? All right. Well, listen, you guys take care, and uh, we'll see each and every, we'll see all of you guys on the trail somewhere. Uh, God bless all of you, and uh, and I'll see you on the beach. Take care. Well, see you both okay, on the trail. Bye, Scout. Okay. Thanks Good night. Again, brother. Bye. Good night.